Welcome to the Pleasant Green Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School Lesson for Sunday, July 9th, 2023. Uh, I am Deacon Barry Taylor and I will be your presenter today. We are in Unit 2, still in Unit 2 for the summer quarter from the Faith Pathway Adult Quarterly, which is entitled Jesus Envisions the Kingdom. Jesus envisions the kingdom. We are in lesson six, uh, and our lesson title is from the quarterly again is a demonstration of power. A demonstration of power. Devotional reading is taken from Matthew chapter six, verses five to fifteen. Our background scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 12 verses 1 to 32 and I trust you read the entire background scripture and then our printed passage is taken from Matthew chapter 12 verses 22 through 32. Uh, our key verse from the King James Version is uh, verse 28 Matthew 12 28 and it reads if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Our lesson aims from the quarterly or number one, examine the role of Jesus' miracles of deliverance as a sign of the arrival of the kingdom of God. Number two, show appreciation for Jesus' power to deliver the suffering from affliction. And then number three, call upon the power of Jesus to alleviate suffering. That is, your suffering and certainly suffering, the suffering of others through intercessory prayer. Uh, after the introduction, uh, our lesson outline has two divisions. Uh, the first is entitled, A Kingdom of Division, Kingdom of Division. That's covered between Matthew 12, verses 22 through 27. And the second division is entitled, A Kingdom of Deliverance. That's covered between Matthew 12, verses 28 through verse 32. From the Standard Commentary, our lesson title is, The Kingdom Has Come Upon You. The Kingdom Has Come Upon You. And additional aims are, number one, summarize Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees. Number two, explain why the logic used by the Pharisees was defective. And then number three, identify an instance of false logic used against Christians today. Now we're going to follow the outline from the quarterly, from the adult quarterly, and what we will do after uh, a little background, after our prayer and a little background, is we will read each passage and then back up and have some verse-by-verse -verse discussion. So let's go before the throne. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Lord God, for another opportunity to study your precious word. We thank you for being so very good to us, always for your loving kindness and your tender mercies, Lord for your many seen and unseen blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which your word says is a lamp unto our feet 
and a light unto our path. And we pray, Lord, that you'd give us a clear understanding of the passage today that is before us, Lord. Uh, help us as we understand your word uh, to, uh, to have our faith increased uh, and have our obedience increased as our faith is increased. Lord, help us to trust you, uh, Lord, in everything. We uh, ask your blessings upon all the hearers of this word, Lord, and we pray that they will all be faithful doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are in uh, chapter 12 of the book uh, of Matthew, or the gospel according to Matthew, uh, otherwise named Levi. We're not sure where he got the name Matthew, which uh, may have been given to him by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, but it means gift of the Lord, gift of the Lord. And as many of you know, Matthew was a publican or a tax collector, and Jesus called him at the receipt of customs. In other words, it, during while he was uh, wherever his uh, office was for collecting taxes, and he became a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know, or some of you do know, that his gospel record uh, was basically written to the Jews, and it references uh, the uh, the lineage, of course, of the, or sorry, the ancestry of Jesus, going all the way back to uh, to Adam. Uh, and uh, we uh, we understand that uh, most of uh, the uh, the Jewish readers, of course, would understand all the references to old to the Old Testament that Jesus, I'm sorry, that Matthew makes regarding the Lord Jesus. Uh, now, we uh, we're in the twelfth chapter, and the beginning of that. Hopefully, again, you read uh, the entire background uh, scripture, which was uh, from verses one to thirty-two. We see in the first uh, passage, if you will, of chapter 22, uh, I'm sorry, 12 rather, uh, verses, uh, actually let's, let's back up to verse 9, and we see that Jesus there uh, enters a synagogue, and he, he sees a man that has a withered hand, and he's asked by uh, by those in the synagogue, is it lawful for him to heal on the Sabbath? Uh, and he asked them, he said, which of you, which has a sheep that falls down into a pit on the Sabbath, would not get that sheep out of the, out of the Sabbath? So he's pointing out some hypocrisy in uh, the understanding of the, these are not necessarily the Pharisees. We're going to get to the Pharisees in a minute, but uh, the typical Jewish man who no doubt was greatly influenced by the Pharisees. And then the next passage has to do with uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, it begins at verse 14 and we see the Pharisees are plotting against Jesus, how they might destroy him. And we know that that is because of their jealousy that Jesus is going to take their place of prominence and authority over the people uh, and uh, 
because of the healings that Jesus is performing, and we know that several times on the Sabbath, uh, he is uh, being followed by a great multitude, uh, and they are wondering about him. And then we see beginning at verse 17 uh, that uh, a, <clears throat> a quote uh, from Isaiah, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the uh, prophet, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. And it goes down to 21 and ends, and in him, in his name rather, the Gentiles will trust and we certainly have trusted him for more than 2,000 years now then beginning at 22 is where our lesson uh, passage picks up uh, and we're going to read through again the first uh, division uh, passage uh, and I'm going to read from the King James Version I think it's clear enough if I have to I'll uh, refer to the NIV as well uh, and then we'll back up and have some discussion. So beginning at verse 22, it says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Verse 26. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And then finally, verse 27. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Okay, so let's back up to 22, verse 22. Again, then was brought unto him one possessed of a devil or demon okay blind and dumb and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw so first he is this is a man that's possessed by a demon okay uh, and then in addition to that he has these physical maladies he is blind and dumb he is in a horrible situation and Jesus heals. It doesn't say how, but he heals him, and perhaps instantaneously, of it says his blindness, so that he, and, and his uh, dumbness, he spoke and saw. And it's it's assumed, obviously, that he exercised the demon or uh, uh, cast the demon out at the same time. We don't know if the demons were responsible for the physical maladies, but this word translated healed uh, from the Greek actually means, uh, uh, it, it, it could be trans, it's the source of the word therapy, therapy, and it, it has the sense of a person being made whole uh, or delivered from afflictions uh, entirely. Okay, so we, we 
we, we know that the demon was cast out. I don't think there's any doubt the demon was cast out along with the physical healing of this man. And we also know that Jesus, part of his healing ministry was exercising or casting out demons from many of those uh, that followed him or sought him. Verse 23, And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Okay, what do they mean by that? The son of David was another name or title for the Messiah. And why would they think that this was um, uh, the son of David? Because he exercised or cast out demons and physically healed the man. Well, the Messiah for centuries, the people had been waiting on the Messiah who they knew was going to be a descendant of the son of David. And it was believed that he would have uh, the divine gift of healing. The divine gift of healing. If we turn over to, we won't turn there, but you can look at uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses uh, 27 to 30. And there the blind man uh, who wants to be healed calls Jesus the son of David. Jesus, the son of David. And he wants to be healed. So they believe that the Messiah would have the divine gift of healing and that's why they in their amazement are wondering if this could be the Messiah the long-awaited Messiah verse 24 but when the Pharisees heard it they said this fellow doth not cast out devils but by Beelzebub the prince and I neglected to say uh, I guess all that I I intended to about uh, Matthew's background. Of course, Matthew being a tax collector and uh, really working for Rome, uh, certain uh, people were, uh, they actually typically bought these positions as tax collectors for Rome, and they were to squeeze every bit of taxes uh, they could out of the Jewish people uh, for the Roman coffers, and of course they could keep whatever they wanted to uh, enrich themselves and so they were uh, believed to be traitors by the ordinary J Jewish citizen and sinners and they were lumped in with the harlots typically as sinners and so they were and they were typically despised and on the contrary just the opposite to the contrary were the Pharisees who were uh, uh, the, the holy and uh, very religious sect uh, that uh, uh, basically uh, were strict adherents of the law and actually went well beyond the law and followed traditions, many of which were vain. Uh, and they, of course, had great influence over the people. Uh, and I, surprisingly, and I've read different numbers, uh, there were not large a uh, large number of Pharisees throughout Judea somewhere between six and ten thousand during the time of Jesus uh, first advent but they had great influence on the people and the people followed them and listened to them so the Pharisees uh, uh, basically uh, say after uh, they can't deny that the man has been healed and and that's the amazing thing is and and, and whenever jesus heals and the pharisees are witnesses they can't deny that the man has been healed 
But when they heard it said in verse 24, they said, this fellow, now they show disrespect there in referring to him as this fellow instead of rabbi or prophet, which he obviously demonstrated that he was uh, at the minimum, doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Now, Beelzebub, the word Beelzebub, is related uh, to the word Baal-zebub or Baal-zebub, B-A-L-B-A-A-L-Z-E-B-U-B, the pagan god of the Philistine city of Ekron. And uh, in, in was this was the common name for Satan, the prince of the devils or the demons, if you will. It was commonly uh, known, uh, Satan rather, was commonly referred to by this name. So what are they saying? They said he is not casting out devils except by the power of, the, of Satan, the prince of the devils, or ruler of the demons, if you will. Uh, we can see right away this is flawed logic here before Jesus uh, responds to them. We can see the flaws uh, in this logic. Let's move on to verse 25, rather, and it reads, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand now before we discuss that verse let me let me just go back and say they are attributing a work of of god's anointed okay uh, that's jesus christ who's obviously using the power of god himself to heal to satan to the prince of of the devils we're going to see later on that that is indeed the blasphemy sorry about that Okay, so again, uh, moving into verse 25. Uh, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Okay, they didn't have to uh, verbally uh, or loudly uh, say what they said. He knew their thoughts. And he says, every kingdom, every uh, uh, divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now, throughout the Bible... Uh, or the Bible depicts Satan as uh, very crafty, uh, very wise, uh, and, and, and always in opposition to God and the work of God, and, and always desiring to deceive his people. Uh, going back to Genesis 3.1, okay, where Satan appeared in the garden and deceived Eve, and then, of course, uh, Adam fell as well. Um, uh, we, we, he is organized, okay, he's the prince of the power of the air, okay, uh, and, and so to suggest that Satan is going to war against himself, now Satan is inflicting people, or his minions, if you will, or inflicting people by possessing them and causing all kinds of maladies and, and uh, evil, uh, works and so forth, doing all kinds of evil works through them, and 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 quite honestly, 
I believe he's, he's still doing that today. I mean, we see forces of evil that are right out of the pit of hell influencing people in great positions of power and authority today. But uh, so he, what, what they're suggesting or claiming here uh, without tongue in cheek is that he is basically, or Jesus is using his power to cast out Satan's own minions, okay, and which are possessing people by the will of Satan, okay, so which, again, you see the flawed logic there, so, and he's saying, he's using language that uh, all his listeners, all of his listeners clearly understand that uh, uh, it, it's not logical for a nation to war against itself or a household to war against itself. Now, one of the outlines that the, and from the standard says, uh, when under personal attack, there are typically three ways for a person to react. Number one is don't react, that is say nothing. Number two is defend yourself with words of correction. And number three, launch a counterattack. So what we're going to see when we get to um, uh, well, actually, it begins rather it, with verse 25 is Jesus using number two. Okay, he was responding with option number two as he points out the logical absurdity of the Pharisees' conclusion. So, it, it, within any household, any kingdom, uh, any if there are warring partners or people within. They are there, and they are uh, divided among themselves. They are not going to be uh, uh, victorious against any enemies. Okay, so they are going to fall. They're going to fail, and it's foolish. In fact, they're aiding and abetting their enemies when they're at war with one another. Let's move on to verse 26, which reads, "And if Satan cast out Satan." He is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So Jesus refers to Beelzebub, who the uh, uh, Pharisees have uh, called Beelzebub as Satan. As I said, that was another name for Satan. So he's continuing with his option two response here, and, uh, and that is to defend yourself with words of correction. So he's agreeing both Jesus and the Pharisees see uh, the demonic realm as an organized kingdom. We see that in Ephesians 2, um, verse 2, Revelations 2, 13. Uh, and it has strongholds in opposition to the kingdom of heaven, which was at the center of Jesus' preaching of the good news. The spiritual war exists between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. Not, it's not as an eternal strife within Satan's domain. So again, he is pointing out the absurdity. No one thought that Satan or his demons were fools in that regard. They would not work against themselves. So again, Jesus is trying to point out the logical flaws or the, the, the absurdity of what they are asserting. Verse 27, and if, 
by Beelzebub, again Beelzebub and Satan are used interchangeably, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? They, therefore, he says, they shall be your judges. So what's he saying there? Now, he pretty much destroyed the Pharisees' argument that, hey, you know, he's passing, he's casting out demons through the power of the prince of the demons or Satan or Beelzebub. So Jesus turns, flips it on his head now. Now he's, he's gone to option, response option number three. He's launching a counterattack here. So he's saying, he's turning the, this thing around and he said, okay, if I'm casting out, let's presume I'm casting out uh, demons by the power of uh, Beelzebub or Satan, if that's the case, who are your children? And some of them, of course, some of these very Pharisees had exorcists that were children. I know the NIV says, uh, it says people, your people, but I think children is probably uh, more accurate. These were folk in their own family many in many cases that were exorcists. Uh, you remember from Acts chapter 19, you can read this in verses 13 to 16, the account of the seven sons of Sceva. You know, uh, they were uh, itinerant exorcists in, uh, uh, in the Ephesus region who fell in a spectacular way to drive out demons when uh, they used the name of Jesus inappropriately. You remember the demon said, when they said, we adjure you uh, in the name of Paul, whom Jesus, uh, Jesus whom Paul serves, and, and and the demon responded, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And he leaped on them and, and beat them to into their lives, and they left naked and bleeding. So they were there were exorcists that were, or so-called, that were exorcising demons, they thought, in the name of Jesus and in the name of God. So he turned the question around on them and obviously they had no no answer they would have had no answer had they been given the opportunity to answer and he says the children they therefore they shall be your judges in other words they will uh, inform you as to who they are exercising demons by if you think I'm exercising them by the power of Satan himself. Verse 28. Well, let's let's move. Now we're moving into our second division. Again, we just finished the first division from the quarterly, uh, which was entitled A Kingdom of Division. Now we're moving into the second division, which is entitled a kingdom of deliverance and that's covered between Matthew 12 verses 28 to 32 and we'll read the entire passage from the King James Version and then we'll back up and have some verse by verse discussion but if I verse 28 but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God then the kingdom of God is come unto you or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me and he that gathers, gathers not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy 
shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So let's back up to verse 28 again, which reads, But if I cast out devils or demons by the Spirit of God, in contrast to what they're saying he get who he's they're saying he cast them out by then the kingdom of God is come unto you so Jesus um, used this occasion uh, to announce a fulfillment of something that uh, he'd been preaching you know he began uh, his ministry proclaiming to the people to repent of their sins because the kingdom was near we can see that in Matthew 4 verse 7 and elsewhere no John the Baptist before him, the forerunner, preached the same thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And so uh, now he is demonstrating that the kingdom of God has come. Okay. Uh, he being the king, of course, uh, the, uh, brought the kingdom. And he's demonstrating his authority as king over devils. And that's a confirmation again of the arrival of the kingdom of God and God's reign on earth uh, has overtaken Satan's rule. Now we know the kingdom of God now is in the hearts of men. We're going to, let's take a look at John uh, chapter 12, verse 31. So if, we, if we're looking at John chapter uh, 12, if we back up to verse uh, uh, 28 it said father glorify thy name and then came a voice from heaven saying I have both glorified it and will glorify it again the people therefore that stood by and heard it said it thundered others said an angel spake to him Jesus answered and said this voice came not because of me but for your sake and then he goes on in verse 31 and says now is the judgment of this world now shall and judgment meaning the, the punishment if you will now shall the prince of the world be cast out and I say if I be lifted up from the earth I will draw all men unto me now I've I've, I've, I've uh, heard analogies uh, being made of Satan being defeated at the cross and that's what Jesus is referring to the victory that he would have over Satan uh, at the cross uh, and and just think of him uh, as being a giant snake that's crawled into your tent and you chopped his head off okay uh, that's what happened at the cross well that body of that snake is going to thrash around for some time after until the tent is destroyed or the contents of the tent is destroyed before it finally uh, dies. And of course, the ultimate destruction is going to be Satan being cast into the lake of fire. I heard just the other day about a town where a chicken was beheaded 
uh, and uh, lived for some 18 months and gained weight, as a matter of fact. I don't know how they fed it with an eyedropper or something. But anyway, uh, the, the Satan has been defeated. Okay, his ultimate disposition will not happen until the Lord returns. So the kingdom now is in the hearts of believers, but his ultimate physical reign is going to happen when he comes back and judges all the enemies and sits on the throne uh, when he comes back with the saints and the holy angels. Now, let's, so saying that again, verse 28 is saying, uh, he's saying again, if he cast out uh, devils or demons by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. That's what he's declaring. Let's move on to um, verse 30. Uh, actually, there's a question here that reads, What evidence have you seen of the work of the kingdom of God in your neighborhood or town? And digging deeper, I'm sorry, that's, uh, that's from the standard. Uh, there's another um, question. Is how can believers retain confidence in the ultimate victory of God, even when evil appears prevalent? Evil is so prevalent in our world, in our society, in our country today. Uh, last month, and I, I had a rant about this in one of the classes last month. We celebrated. Uh, 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 abomination it was uh, gay pride or LGBT whatever Q month and we celebrated uh, what should have been the uh, shame of the nation and so evil is so prevalent and it is really attacking our the youngest of our children so and it says so what what how can believers remain confident in the ultimate victory of God Again, even when evil appears, probably, well, we just believe the Bible. And the Bible says that God is ultimately going to be victorious. So let's move on to verse 29, and it reads, Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. So this is another analogy to show the absurdity of the Pharisees charge well who is the strong man in this verse well that's none other than Satan or Beelzebub and we know that Satan is powerful so how does one bind a powerful man well you have to be more powerful right and then once you bind the strong man to prevent him from defending his property vigorously and possibly causing use of physical harm you have to be able to overpower the strong man so so he is saying again uh, if if Satan is not working against himself in other words allowing me the power to cast out his own demons then that means that I'm doing it by force and the only way to do it by force is to overcome the strong man in his house or in his realm, if you will. Again, expressing the absurdity of uh, God, of, of their logic, okay, um, that, that Satan somehow or Jesus is working in cahoots or cooperation with Satan. 
Verse 30, he that is not with me is against me, and he that scattereth, or sorry, gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now, now Jesus has, I think, thoroughly destroyed the logic of the Pharisees. He's addressed uh, their uh, assertion that he's cast out devils or cast out a demon uh, by the power of Satan. And now he's moving into a larger issue that he's having with the Pharisees in general. Okay, they are confusing the people, the, the followers of God and, and the, the followers, his followers, and, and scattering rather than gathering, okay? Uh, and, and what he's saying is there's no middle ground here. He said, he, he that is not with me, in other words, if you don't recognize, and they did, by the way, okay, this, when we get to this next verse and a couple of verses where he talks about blasphemy, uh, the Pharisees knew that Jesus was acting in the power of God. They wanted to deceive the people or confuse the people about the matter because they were jealous of Jesus and did not want Jesus to take their place of authority among the people. But so he's saying, if you're not with me, if you don't recognize the power of God acting in and through me, uh, and then uh, if you're not gathering with me, remember the, 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 the Lord had uh, asked us to pray the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth more laborers into the field. The field is, is white to harvest, uh, but the laborers are few. They're not gathering with him. He said they're scattering abroad. And again, they are trying to confuse uh, the people there's no, there's no neutrality. There was no neutrality with them about their position uh, with respect to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no neutrality now. The, the, the Lord and God is going to judge all people by, by that one man, Jesus Christ. What they did with Jesus Christ. They either accepted him as Lord and Savior, as the one that sacrificed his life for, for the sins of the world and their, their sins in particular, or they're going to reject him. It's no, well, I, you know, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, I believe he was a good moral teacher, this, that, or the other. There's no middle ground. You either accept him as Savior or you reject him as who he is and doom yourself uh, to hell. You either accept the payment of your sin debt that he made for you or you make that payment yourself. And that payment is eternal separation from even the love and common grace of God that we experience in this world. So let's move on to verse 30, which reads, He that is not with me, I'm sorry, verse 31, <clears throat> Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. So what is he saying? Well, first of all, <clears throat> uh, what is what is blasphemy? Okay, to blaspheme, that's a Greek-based word referring to an insult or slander intended to harm the reputation of a person um, and uh, against a human, uh, this can be forgiven. 
and we'll see this in a few minutes in the, in the next verse, uh, even against the Lord Jesus himself, with, uh, if rather, uh, uh, it, it's got to be, cons it's, it, it's got to be uh, forgiven if admitted with repentance, okay? However, to, to so uh, insult, uh, defame uh, the Holy Spirit and to attribute the, whole, the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan is to reject him. And this isn't something that you do once and then repent of later. What he is talking about is something that uh, you, you do throughout your life. You reject the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit throughout your life. I'm going to take a let's take a look at Hebrews chapter uh, six and uh, verses four to six real quick, and it reads: For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and of the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucified to themselves the son of god afresh and put him to an open shame now they have not truly accepted the lord as savior been indwelt by the holy spirit they've been uh, among the fellowship but they have been uh, proven not to have uh, really been converted and once they reject the Holy Spirit. And again, this isn't something that they do once. This is something that they do continually and something that they die. Uh, they die in rejection of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit and the salvation that the Lord Jesus offered. Then there's no forgiveness. What he's saying, there's no forgiveness. And he said, not in this world. If there's no repentance, uh, there's no forgiveness in this world or throughout eternity in the world to come that's what he's going to be saying uh, in the last verse here and verse 32 reads and whosoever speaketh a word against the son of man it shall be forgiven him but who but whosoever speaketh against the holy ghost and then this is in a blasphemous way of course it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world neither in the world to come. Now, someone could reject Jesus in ignorance. Many, most of the world, I would submit, is rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and his uh, sacrificial uh, work uh, on the cross for us, uh, uh, salvific work, if you will, um, out of ignorance. Okay, uh, Paul uh, thought he was doing the work of the Lord and stamping out a sect when he was uh, 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 having uh, arrested and perhaps killed uh, Jesus' followers until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And the Lord Jesus asked him, why kick ye against the pro? Why persecute you me? It's hard for you to kick against the, the goads, okay, or the cattle prods. And then uh, he, of course, uh, uh, commissioned Paul to be an apostle and a servant to him to go before the Gentiles as well as the, the Jews and used him greatly and, and showed him the great things he would suffer for him. So Paul ignorantly 
uh, blasphemed, if you will, or uh, spoke against Christ. And many do that today. But those who willfully uh, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, attribute the work of the Holy Ghost, if you will, to uh, or Satan uh, to Satan. And this is something that is not new. I mean, the ancient children of Israel attributed their blessings to the idols instead of the true and living God. One of the things that 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 really uh, uh, angered God was the continual practice of his people to go whoring after other gods and to attribute their blessings to them rather than him. Okay, that's why uh, they were ultimately uh, exiled. Why, uh, the northern kingdom first and then ultimately the southern kingdom uh, because of this, uh, this prevalent sin. There were many, many other sins. Sins of oppression and neglect and all kinds of evils, but this idolatry was to attribute the work of God to idol gods who uh, were demons, in fact. If you read your Bible carefully, they were uh, demons. So to, 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 to kind of summarize, I'm, I'm going to read uh, a portion of the conclusion from the, uh, from the standard. And this deals with uh, um, the fact that some people are confused about the un pardonable sin, what the unpardonable sin is, uh, and it reads, um, we should recognize that some Christians fear the possibility of committing the un an unpardonable sin. However, we are probably not in a position to evaluate for sure whether it has been committed. Paul speaks of those who have a seared conscience in 1 Timothy uh, 4.2 referring to those who will not and cannot repent. They have willingly reversed the order of good and evil in the universe, becoming like those Isaiah condemns when he says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Is that not what we're doing today in our society today? that put darkness for light and light for darkness. It comes from Isaiah 5.20. These are the ones who have agreed with Milton's Satan, evil be thou my good. Some would say today's evil and depravity are celebrated more than good. Now that's what we saw last month in June. Evil celebrated abomination celebrated from the very, from the White House down to uh, uh, the, the, the local sports teams everybody celebrating this depravity that has become so pervasive uh, in our society I heard uh, a quoted uh, uh, shouted if you will in the various uh, parades uh, we're here we're queer and we're coming for your children they're targeting children they want to confuse young minds and grow and grow them up to accept the perversion that uh, uh, has been, as I said, become so prevalent in our society today. Some would say today's, uh, as I said, uh, but uh, we must not turn our backs on unrepentant people in our community, just as Jesus did not abandon the Pharisees without warning. So we see that what Jesus is doing 
is he is warning the Pharisees. They have not, our understanding of the passage is, not yet committed the unpardonable sin, and that is to continue to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Uh, they are uh, for jealousy and, 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 and trying to, and their evil motives, obviously, is to confuse the people so that they can take a, a tarnish Jesus's image uh, 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 with their flawed logic and all. But Jesus is warning them, if you continue to do this, then you will not be forgiven in this world or in the next. And that is his word for every person uh, living today. Uh, you either, If you continue to reject the work of the Holy Spirit, even that work that convicts our hearts, we know the Holy Spirit, one of his principal uh, works uh, is to convict us of unrighteousness. If we continue to reject that, we will die in our sins and we will forever be separated, or those who do will forever be separated from the love and grace of God. So I hope we have uh, understood this passage a little better than perhaps we did before. Uh, we do thank you for your time and attention, and we ask that uh, God would uh, continue to bless us all with uh, not only greater understanding of his word, but a, 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 but a, 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 a dedication to being faithful doers of his word and, and showing uh, unbelievers and the world uh, Jesus, more Jesus in us and his love and his grace. So, Father, again, we thank you for the privilege uh, of studying your word, Lord. We thank you that it is light that dispels darkness. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we would um, proclaim uh, the good news, Lord, to those who are yet in darkness, Lord. We know that uh, in the end, you said evil will, men will wax worse and worse. Uh, we know that in the end, you will be victorious over all sin and evil. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to be more faithful servants and to be active and, 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 and uh, uh, busy, Lord, in your uh, in your field, Lord, which is white to harvest. We ask your blessings upon all the hearers, uh, all the households and families represented here until such time as we meet again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.